there is no Oklahoma-West Virginia football game. Good news is the Sooners are off to prepare for the Big 12 championship against Iowa State. The bad news is that the Sooners are off to prepare for the championship against Iowa State. Oklahoma basketball finally drops a game after an 0-2 start. Not 0-2, but after a 2-0 start, they finally drop one getting just demolished by a hot-handed Xavier Hey, there's some important recruiting updates coming as far as commitment dates as well as some crystal ball predictions. True or false, Rich is asking the questions. We got still a lot to cover. Maybe a, a very condensed Big 12 rundown as many games hang in the balance and many games have already been canceled. It could just be one game on Saturday. It could be two games. Two games is the best possible outcome for the Big 12 on Saturday, but it could just be down to one, and that's not even going to be a conference game. What's up, Rich? <laughs> uh, not a whole lot from from my side of things. I can share in the disappointment, though, of what we were expecting to be a tune-up for Oklahoma, more specifically for this defense, this secondary, maybe shaking a little bit of rust off of the offense and preparing for what's been a really good Iowa State team as of late. Yeah, we're definitely going to jump into that here in just a moment. I want to talk Oklahoma basketball. Sooners just, I mean, look, they didn't play bad. The trio of, of right. Brady Manick, Austin Reeves, and Devion Harmon, they scored 41 points, 13 to 26 from the floor. That's not bad. I mean, if you get 41 out of those three guys on most nights, you're going to win. The problem is Xavier had a three guys that shot 57% from the floor, 49%, excuse me, 59% from three-point range. All three of them scored 20 points or more. Zach Fremantle, 28 points, career high. And, oh, yeah, by the way, 19 three-point shots made, which is a program record for Xavier. You just On, on a night like that, what do you do? You're the basketball guy. Yeah, Rich, what do you Matt, do? Matt, here's the thing is there's no way that – I mean, let, let's just break it down into some numbers. Some numbers that I, I do believe are unacceptable. I didn't go in and do the math on these. I did see these posted on Twitter following the game, Oklahoma surrendered 1.4 points per possession to Xavier. That's unacceptable, even on the collegiate level. Yeah, but 19 made three points. Right. 19. Right. And I think Lon Kruger sums it up the best. Oklahoma defensively did nothing to knock right. Xavier off of that three-point line. When a team shoots nearly 60% from the three-point line, they're – I'm going to use the word impossible because I do believe that to be true. A team that shoots 60% from the three-point line is is impossible to beat. Oklahoma shot 48% from the floor, 30% from the three-point line. When you have those numbers, Matt, I sent you this this earlier. When you have those numbers, Oklahoma's 168 and 18. So we're talking about just how rare it is to mm. lose on a night where your percentages are above average 30%. I consider a, a really good night from the three point line, then shooting 48% from the floor. That's nothing to scoff at. However, when the other team's putting up numbers, double that. Yeah. It, again, it's just, it's impossible to but, compete with that. And, and I get what Kruger said. I mean, here's the quote. He said, we didn't do much defensively to keep them out of their rhythm and out of their routine. We've got a lot more work to do. And I agree with him, right. but if you watch that game, Xavier's just knocking down insane shots. There's a lot of good ball movement. And anytime you have good ball movement, you're going to find open shooters. But some of those shots were just insane that they were hitting. And 
again, Oklahoma goes in there. They don't play bad. The the, the trio of Manic, Harmon, and Reeves, that's mm-hmm. three of the top four scorers in the Big 12 going into this game. And they didn't disappoint. It's just everything that happened bad for Oklahoma Wednesday night happened bad on the defensive end of the floor. And I, I look, I've said this to you. I say it to myself. What Lon Kruger says holds a lot more water than what either you or I will ever say. But with all due respect to what Kruger said, the shots that those guys were knocking down, it's just ridiculous. It's just it's just one of those nights. It's one of those nights where you just like a career kind of well, a for record sure. setting <laughs> a record kind setting of night. night yes. <laughs> okay, Oklahoma comes back to hey, Norman. Hey, hey, before oh. before we jump past this game specifically, I have seen a little bit uh, some chatter about Elijah Harkless. When we look at this Oklahoma Sooners roster transfer guard, he's the only one on this Oklahoma roster who has yet to receive a letter of eligibility, if I can call it from that. From the NCAA? From the NCAA, whereas everybody else has been granted that waiver. I'm not talking about across the country. I'm talking about Oklahoma Sooners roster. There is some kind of noise that's being spoken about the NCAA coming in and making a blanket statement right, for right. all transfers to become immediate, immediately eligible. And that vote will take place on December 16th. If Elijah Harkless is available, just a random question that I'm throwing out to you. Is this going to be a different team? Are we going to see much of what what we've already experienced through three games? What you're asking is, is Elijah Harkless going to have the Ramondre Stevenson effect on the basketball team, right? I'm I'm more so asking, here's a guy who's adding experience, a guy who's also adding depth. When we look at this roster, it's a very young roster. Elijah Harkless is is a junior. He has time in a collegiate strength training program. Mm-hmm. He has time on the floor as a collegiate player. Does that depth, does that experience benefit Oklahoma? And I want to use the term greater. Does it experience Oklahoma or does it? give Oklahoma that experience, does it give Oklahoma a greater edge than what they're playing with right now? And to me, it's a question that I think you got to see him on the floor to, to answer it because this is Oklahoma had five guys in double figures Wednesday night. I mean, they, they lost by 22 points, but you have five guys score double figures. So, and then your bench guy was Ewakor, who only played the second half. So he was five of eight from the floor in the second half. He only played nine minutes and he gave you 10 points. And it wasn't really garbage time minutes. I mean, you could make the argument when you outscored 51 to 38 in the final 20 minutes that the whole second half is garbage time. But Ewakor. Yeah, that, that's a forward. That's a guy with experience who clearly has the, a knack for finding his way to the basket. So when we're talking about how Harkless fits into this team, the, the two questions I'm going to ask is, number one, what is he like defensively? And, and number two, where would he fit in with this roster as far as, you know, he is a guard. Are you getting good guard play as it is? I mean, I just where, where do you where do you put him? Because tell me one of the guards mm-hmm. for OU that you're not satisfied with right now through three games. Here's all I know is numbers, okay? Because as you've mentioned, we have not seen Harkless in a live situation. We know that he's on the roster. We know that he's with the team. We know that he's practicing, but we we know that he's not eligible to actually compete. But here's what I'm looking at, Matt, is the 1.7 steals in just under 30 minutes per game last year in the Big West. That led 
all players in the Big West. We can combine that with a guy who crashes the boards consistently. Granted, we're seeing Austin Reeves lead this team in rebounds. All of a sudden, you're going to add another guard who has the ability to move to find some open space and to sit down and, and grab the ball when it comes off of the glass. That's what I believe Harkless presents here. And again, those numbers, 5.8 rebounds per game, which led all Big West guards, not all players, just the guards. I think he contributes offensively. I think he contributes defensively, but he may also be able to be a guy who gets you second chance points. We don't know that. A lot of this is speculation. It's all hypothetical. I get that. I think he could be, I'm not saying a game changer for Oklahoma, but I do believe that once he steps onto the court with that competitive nature, with that experience, he gives Oklahoma a greater edge than what they have currently. And again, maybe, but see the way I look at it is who, who are you going to take minutes from? And and for me, the, the guy, the first, the first guy that comes to mind that you're going to take minutes away from would be Trey Phipps, who's not off to a bad start. He's shooting 45% from three point range. He's a true freshman. Cause you're, you're clearly not going to take minutes away from Austin Reeves. You're clearly not going to take minutes away from Divion Harmon. So who are you going to go for? Well, Trey Phipps becomes a candidate. Alondis Williams becomes a candidate. I don't think you're going to take minutes away from Alondis Williams. So, I mean, so do you, what do you do to your freshman who's shooting 45 percent from the from three point range? I, I again, it just it's it's, it's a it's a conundrum it's, we're thankful not not to have well, to deal with. Adding depth and adding, just let Lon Kruger do what he does. Let Lon Kruger makes a lot of money for a reason. But I'm just right. saying, adding depth to your roster never hurts. Chemistry goes a long way, mm-hmm. and you got to question what's. I mean, again, my two questions are: has he? How is he on the defensive end? And what does he do as far as where he fits in? But we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, and we'll, we'll know a lot more about this team as they get a little bit deeper into conference play because the guard play always picks up the further you go into the season. And the, for lack of a better way of putting it, the men separate themselves from the boys. Unless it's women's basketball. Which we're not talking about currently. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Florida A&M on Saturday. Um, the Rattlers, I believe they're 0-3 on the season coming into this game. Now, Keep in mind that Florida A&M did upset Iowa State last year. I'm pretty confident. I'm saying that just off the top of my head. Uh, they upset Iowa State last year in Big 12, in the Big 12. So it's not like this is a team that is inept and unaware of what Big 12 basketball is like. But I think if you're Oklahoma coming off of a one-on-one road swing where you win at TCU, you lose in Cincinnati against Xavier, you got to come home and get a win because this starts a home stretch for Oklahoma that could be beneficial to a team that's just trying to find its legs, truthfully, to get this season started. They're at Florida A&M, and then they get a week off before Houston Baptist, and then you're back in Big 12 play against 17th-ranked Texas Tech and then 11th-ranked West Virginia. So it doesn't get any easier for this team. By the way, they get TCU to start out conference play in just your second game of the season. TCU is 4-0. You go to Fort Worth, you win mm-hmm. that game, and then you get Florida A&M and Houston Baptist and then listen to this. Listen to how this sets up right now. The next four games in conference play, number 17, Texas Tech, number 11, West Virginia, at number two, Baylor, at number five, Kansas. This schedule is about to get brutal for the Sooners. Right. So you take all the help. To go back to your question about Harkless, you take all the help you can get at this point, right? Absolutely. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's talk about some uh, commitment dates coming up. Um, and, and it's about to get very real for Oklahoma's 2021 recruiting class. Uh, and Mika Abuka is committing on Friday. We're recording this podcast on Thursday the 10th. He's, re- he's committing on Friday the 11th. It'll be a, an evening commitment if you're trying to follow along with that because he's out on the West Coast and I think it's four or five o'clock his time, which would be, you know, seven-ish, eight o'clock our time. Uh, Savion Bird is is committing on December 16th. Bryce Foster, December 18th. Samar Wheaton, December 23rd. Tristan Lee, January 2nd. I think, Rich, I think I can, I think I can say Oklahoma has the inside track for four of the five. Like book is the one I don't know yet. I just, I just don't know. Tristan Lee, if, if I was going to rank them on, on my confidence level from I know they're coming to I hope they come, it's Savion Bird, number one, Samar Wheaton, number two, Bryce Foster, number three, Agbuka, four, really? and then Lee, five. That's how I would rank those guys. And I want confidence rank. You know, you'd like to, you do yeah, the NCAA yeah. tournament bracket. You put your confidence points there. Or the or bowl games. Bowl games, football, right. College football bowl games. But, but the point is, my confidence Man. my confidence is, is in that level. I think they get, for sure, I think they get three out of the five. If they get five, if they go five for five on this, on this, these five guys, this is going to be a top five recruiting class. Like I've hoped it would be all along. I do think Oklahoma made some inroads with Egbuka. It's why I'm surprised that you've got him listed fairly low on in this confidence factor one to five. Tristan Lee, another guy that I'm looking at and saying there's that connection to Caleb Williams. Yeah, but you know he's going to Florida this weekend. I didn't. Yeah, he'll he'll be in in, in Gainesville this week. I I don't think Tristan Lee's done. I, no, I, I like right. where Oklahoma sits with him, but he's definitely not finished. Right, and and I'm saying that Tristan Lee has a big connection to Caleb Williams. I've never really felt that about the university and the coaching staff, though. I think that changes Egbuka coming so late to the university. One traveling with family members right Two, interacting with current enrollees interacting with everyone but the coaching staff basically to get an idea of what campus life is going to be like oklahoma's never failed to impress oklahoma's never failed to adapt either to the current recruiting trends in fact they've often been the ones who have set them what we've seen with this current trend with the current situation and the current pandemic that we're in is the birth of a new style of recruiting. And it's very much so student led. Yeah. Oklahoma was, well, it's recruit led. If you think about it, it's not student led, it's recruit led, but Oklahoma because of Caleb Williams has been at the forefront of that conversation for so long. And we can thank sports illustrated for that. I have no doubt in my mind that an impression was made. I'm just hoping it was a good one when it comes to egg Buka, because he is in this long string of, top recruits who are um, playing college football now at the wide receiver position, Oklahoma's had a good track record. And again, we look at Dennis Simmons and what mm-hmm. he's done with those recruits once they, once they've landed on campus, that speaks volumes in and of itself, but I'm hoping that he can be that next 
in that long line of players like a Jaden Hazelwood, like a CD Lamb, and we we can even go further back than that if we'd like to. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I just I'm not saying he, Oklahoma's on the outs mm-hmm. with Egbuka. I'm just saying on my confidence level, right, right, right. I know like Samar Wheaton picked up another crystal ball prediction today, and um, yeah, I've I've long believed this is hearsay. I have no knowledge of this, but I've long believed Samar Wheaton to be one of the unaccounted for commitments. Yeah, and, and most likely so. But, you know, Alabama was coming in late on him mm-hmm. and coming in heavy, and there was a lot of uneasiness with Oklahoma fans as far as, I mean, you you, you remember back Jason McClellan and what happened in that right. group. And so you're like, man, what happens to Alabama coming in late? And for for there to be a crystal ball prediction in favor of the Sooners this late in the game. Now, there's nine crystal ball well, for 24-7 sports. There's nine crystal ball predictions for Samar Wheaton, and all nine of them are for Oklahoma. But again, for the one to come in as late as what it is, because it, it's, he's committing on, what, what did I say? He's committing on the 23rd, so that's mm-hmm. less than two weeks. Less than two weeks out, You after Alabama comes in heavy, you get another crystal ball prediction for Oklahoma you got to be sitting pretty confident with yeah, him. And, and for all we know, when it comes to Samar Wheaton, he could sign during the early period and then make public his commitment to get his time in the spotlight to be able to announce that share right. in that celebration just before Christmas, I, I think is a fantastic thing, not only for him, his close friends and his family, but of course we'll rejoice on that day as well, <laughs> regardless of what happens here, what is it next? Next is it Tuesday yeah, or Thursday? Yeah, it's coming that's, up. Yeah, it's the early signing period. Whatever day that is, I'm totally blanking on that. But whatever day that is, we'll have names, of course, that we look at and we begin to evaluate, and will be put down as official letter of intent signees with the University of Oklahoma. And those rankings will start to shift as some of those other later commitments come in. But I, I wanted to go back to this really quickly because I do believe Oklahoma has a shot at all five. I agree. I, I, I want to say that first. And foremost, I do agree with you that some of the outliers are going to be that that Tristan Lee. For so long, he's been linked mm-hmm. to other programs. And as I mentioned, I've never really felt like he had a super strong connection to, to the program, to the coaching staff. It's just been to Caleb Williams. If Oklahoma got four and not Tristan Lee, I would be satisfied with that. But I would love to have those offensive linemen, specifically given the fact of what we've witnessed on the left side of the offensive line from this year. If they can pull in talent who can really sure up that side of the line, or even if that talent exists on the roster already, this is going to be a team that's setting itself up to compete for years on the national level in that college football playoff. Those two losses this year are the only thing holding Mm -hmm. them back. Well, keep in mind that Caleb Williams has talked really heavily about the offensive lineman that he's in communication with and going after when there's three and we're talking about the the last five really kind of big time recruits out there. Three of those five are offensive linemen, you know, Savion Bird, Bryce Foster, Tristan Lee, that, that could be your, your foundation. But to me also the, the key in these five, in these five, that if you could only get one for me, if I, if I can only get one of these guys, it's Samar Wheaton. Because you've already got linemen in this class, and you're going right. to get linemen. With Bill Beanbow's reputation, you're going to continue to right. get linemen. But this class has the star quarterback. It has linemen. It has multiple receivers already. What it doesn't have is a running back. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, Wheaton becomes the main target. You had mentioned Jace McClellan, and we also have to look at what Oklahoma did running back-wise in that class. Because instead of pulling two recruits in, 
you get the one. Right. Not disappointed by the product we've seen on the field from the one, but two would have been nice. I do think it puts a higher importance on getting a running back in here, especially if we don't, if we lose a guy like Ramondre Stevenson to the NFL next year. When it came to Jason McClellan, Matt, I'm not, I'm not disappointed that Oklahoma missed out on him. The one name I kind of wish Oklahoma could have hung on to was an Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, if we're I mean, throwing out names. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. You, I mean, you, as, as the old saying goes, you win some, you lose some. But Oklahoma has a pretty good track record of making making the best or making the most of, of the ones that they they do win. Um, you know, I'm like you. There's there's no when you look at Seth McGowan and and what he had produced, especially early in the season. I don't think there's any um, disgruntlement over what they ended up getting in, in the 2019 class, but Samar Wheaton would definitely be a monster to get in this class. Okay, Oklahoma and West Virginia, that game is off. We're going to talk, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Also, Big Ten hypocrisy is afoot, and there's an epic meltdown coming to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I believe. Okay, Rich, I'm going to go off script for you just a little bit. I, I know you love it when I just kind of pull an audible and, and change what's in our little podcast lineup to talk about. But I'm not for sure if you're paying attention to what's happening in Baton Rouge. But LSU, yesterday, on, on Wednesday, the 9th of December, LSU announced a self-imposed ban. Do you know what, you know what it is? Well, you know what they're banning themselves I don't, from? I don't. Keep in mind, everybody's bowl eligible this year. Even Kansas, if someone wanted them, Kansas could go to a bowl. Now, well, no one's Boston College because you know they opted out. But what I'm saying is, everybody's bowl eligible. All right. But LSU, having won, I think three games, the the, the worst season they've had in like ten years. LSU announces on Wednesday that they're going to impose a one year ban on postseason play for their football program. So a three-win LSU team is saying, you know what? Yeah, we won't go to a bowl game this year. We're gonna we're gonna punish ourselves right here, and and not take a bowl game. So here's what this tells me. Number one, it's it's pretty crappy that you pick the worst team ever to 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 ban yourself from going into postseason play. But but number two, anytime you you do a self-imposed penalty. Self-imposed ban, and I know there's LSU fans out there. They're going to be screaming about, well, you know, you, you if you think about it, we don't get that revenue from going to a bowl game, and if you think about it, we got, you know, that's fine. I don't, I don't really care. It, it's, it, it reflects poorly on you. To if it's a non-COVID year, you're not going bowling anyway. And the only reason you would go bowling in a COVID year is because of the name brand of LSU. But here's what this here's where this all comes down to is that the NCAA is about to just drop the hammer on LSU. And LSU knows that. And so anytime you see a program, an athletic program that goes out and does a self-imposed penalty ahead of time, what they're trying to do is they know they're about to get hit by the NCAA. And so they're trying to soften that blow a little bit. It's like you remember when you when you were a kid, right? And you knew mom and dad you had done something wrong and you knew mom and dad were about to just drop the hammer of punishment on you. So what'd you do to try to lessen that you went and did extra chores without being asked. And you tried to, do, <laughs> you, you tried to do whatever to earn a little bit of favor. So that punishment becomes a little bit less. That's what's happening in Baton Rouge. 
And so here's what I'm calling. Here's what's going to happen. LSU is about to see a mass exodus of players. You watch. You watch the transfer portal. By the end of this month, that transfer portal will be littered with LSU players. Because I believe what the NCAA is about to do to LSU is on par with what happened to Baylor a few years ago with the Art Browse situation. It is about to be a full, clean sweep in Baton Rouge. And you're going to see guys jumping ship. If you're NFL eligible, I mean, if you're a sixth-round NFL guy, you're probably going to the NFL as opposed to transferring somewhere. But remember, everybody gets an extra year that they wanted this year. And a lot of times in situations like a severe punishment for your institution, you also become immediately eligible where you're transferring to. So why am I saying all this? I say all this to say this. Oklahoma may be able to pick up some transfer guys defensively. You, you, you lose a Perry on Winfrey. You, you know, you lose a Ronnie Perkins. Hey, man, your LSU is regionally still in your backyard. Oklahoma recruits a, a lot head-to-head with LSU. Think about Tristan Lee. Think about Caleb Williams. Just two examples from this year alone. So there are some guys in Baton Rouge who are high-quality guys who are going to be looking to go somewhere else, I believe, pretty quick. And if you're trying to really take another step defensively, you might, if I'm Alex Grinch, maybe taking a look at that transfer portal here in about three weeks and seeing if there's some guys I don't want to try to make contact with. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, yes. I'm not going to go any further because we're we're going to start bleeding into my true or false question. Oh, here, okay? oh, okay, all right, my bad. Uh, no, I'll no, just... no, you're good. I wasn't aware of the LSU situation, but what what I will say about this whole thing, Matt, is it's funny where you can find talent. When we go back to Bob Stoops' first national championship, it was a team that didn't really look like they were ready to compete on the national level. Instead, you bring in a new set of coaches. You revamp the offense, you revamp the defense, and the next thing you know is that this is a team that's winning a national championship, and not only are they winning a national championship, they're basically shutting out teams left and right Mm -hmm. to get there. You look at the game against Florida State, obviously, and you know just how low scoring it was. And then you recognize this was a that was a pretty good defense that led or paved the way to that national championship. So I do say, just as a blanket statement, talent can be found literally anywhere. It's what can you do with that talent? Because if those players start opting to go to Texas, they're going to have a very similar result to what they've had this year. Just my my take. My opinion. no, I don't I don't think they're going to Texas. Like I said I, I don't these, I don't either. If you think about it, and it is what it is, because look, Tom Herman's I believe is going to stay at Texas. For at least another year. And that makes him a lame duck. I mean, if you're a recruit and you know the only reason this guy's not fired is because the university doesn't want to pay $25 million to fire him. But every we talked about with Mike Gundy last week, mm-hmm. every year that that buyout goes down, right? And so if you're if you're a guy, you've seen the product in Austin. You've seen the product in Norman. If you're at LSU, you're most likely on a roster that won a national championship the year before, or you committed and enrolled and joined that team the year after a national championship. That is the expectation. And and it's, well, it's deserved because you were just there. So if you're wanting to stay regionally and you're LSU, where, where, where are you going? Oklahoma. Texas A&M. They're not going to Texas A&M. Alabama. They're not going to Alabama. 
I mean, look, that's if you were if, – if, let's say the situation – we'll go back to Baylor. How many players did Oklahoma get from Baylor? I, I don't recall any. You, you leave the conference. You don't want to stay and play with the guys you played against. You want to go and you want to plug in in, in, a, in a spot where you can compete for a starting spot – but also where you can compete for a national championship. That's all I'm saying. I, I really think there's going to be a, a massive meltdown in Baton Rouge. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout from it. And I think Oklahoma could potentially benefit. And I think if you're Alex Grinch, the good news is I, I think you, you've reached a point where you can be selective. But there are some good defensive backs in Baton Rouge. There's some good front seven guys in Baton Rouge. And who knows? A few of them may end up in Norman. They may not. I'm just saying it's it's something to at least keep an eye on for the next three weeks. Yeah, and LSU has had recruiting classes. I, I'm looking at 2018 right now. National rank was 15. 2019, it was a top five. 2020 was also a top five. So you're really going to be pulling from those recruiting classes, which, by the way, feature some five-star guys, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but also on the offensive side of the ball, if what you're saying happens. That's an if statement at this point. When it comes, we'll see. We'll be able to look back and say, hey, Matt, guess what? You were right. But until that happens, I, I'm just holding my breath, okay? All right, let's move on to the Big Ten then. So the Big Ten, in an epic move of, of hypocrisy, makes Ohio State eligible for the Big Ten championship game, thus making them also eligible for the college football playoff. Is Ohio State the best team in the Big Ten, yes or no? Hey. It's just a yes or no question. Are they the best it's, team in the Big it's Ten? It's hard to say that they're not. I I have to go with a yes. Right. At this point, I agree. And it doesn't matter what their record states. It doesn't matter how many games they've played. You've seen the product on the field. Defensively, I don't think they're as good as they have been right. in years past. Offensively, they're just as capable. They're going to play Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game and probably win by a minimum of two touchdowns. Just throwing that out there. Best team in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But follow me here on the Big Ten logic, right? Everybody else wanted to play football. The ACC wanted to play football, right? The Big 12 wanted to play football. The SEC wanted to play football. And the Big Ten said, no, 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 no. We're we're better than you because we really care about player safety. And because we care about player safety, we're we're not going to play. And then the Pac-12 was like, okay, just tell us what to do because we're tied in with you, Rose Bowl, all that stuff. We're going to do what you do. No, we're not playing. Well, the ACC decides we're going to play football. SEC, we'll join you. Big 12, hey, we've always wanted to play. Notre Dame, can we jump in on this? And now the Big Ten's thinking, wait a minute, you guys are taking money that we could be having, so let's reevaluate this. I think we can play, but I think we want to push it back as late as possible. As late as possible because we really care about player safety. So we're going we're gonna to make it all happen in eight weeks. The ACC, the Big 12, the SEC all said to the Big Ten, it's going to be really hard to do it in eight weeks. you got to put in space for canceled games. you got to give yourself a chance to reschedule. No, we're, we're, we've done everything we can do, and we're the best at keeping everybody safe and player safety, everything. Here's the rules, and we have to abide by the rules. So we're going to make it happen in eight weeks. Oh, wait, Ohio State, our, our bell cow, they can't get the qualified games in? Suddenly the rules don't matter anymore. Suddenly this, this moral high horse that the Big Ten has been on about player safety and the rules and all this stuff, it doesn't matter anymore. You remember when Nebraska 
Nebraska tried this about two and a half months ago. Maybe not that long ago, but Nebraska tried, hey, our game got canceled. Well, we can pick up this opponent and we can still make money. And the Big Ten says, no, 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 no. You can't do that because of the rules. The rules matter. And the rules say we're not doing this because we are the Big Ten. We're better than everybody else. And we're going to abide by the rules. Now the rules are going to cost them millions and millions and millions of dollars because Ohio State can't qualify for the playoffs. And the rules don't matter anymore. This is, this is hypocrisy at its best. This is, getting, this is getting your paycheck. And this is getting your way after really having a national tamper tantrum about being the best and being the, the moral high horse. Suddenly, immorality is being shown, broadcast for all the world to see. And it's the right decision. It's absolutely the right decision. I'm just throwing that out there. I, is, is the big is the Big Ten being very hypocritical? Absolutely, they're being hypocritical. But you're telling me you would, would who would watch who would watch Northwestern Indiana? I'm yeah. waiting for people to raise yeah, their hand. Yeah, yeah, you're not volunteering for that. Indiana's been a surprise team, right? But you're gonna watch that I championship think game. Draw some interest. I'm not going to watch it if Ohio State's in it either. It's yeah, it's not going to matter because about football but but here's the thing, Matt, is when it comes to the Big Ten. I think there's an expectation that Ohio State wins that game, regardless of who they're playing against. It could be anyone from that conference. It just so happens to be Northwestern. The expectation is for them to still win. But at the end of the day, they're still going to be the number four seed if they make the college football playoff. I don't know what's going to happen with that committee, but I am expecting an undefeated Ohio State team to be featured in the list of four. And I think they're going to be the four seed and they're going to quickly be throttled by Alabama. Well, Alabama is an elite team. Do you want that four seed if you're Ohio State? Right. Well, see, that's that's where I was going with all of this is that I, I think the right move. It pains me to say this, but I think the right move is if Ohio State beats Northwestern, you got to include them. Because they are. I do believe they're one of the four best teams in the country, which is why I said it's the right move by the Big Ten. But you and I have both talked about Alabama being way better than expectations. You just mentioned Ohio State not being as good defensively as what Mm -hmm. they have been in years past. Mac Jones in Alabama, I think, beats Ohio State. Handedly. Yes. And Mac Jones is just, he's, he's not the most capable quarterback this year. I don't see him being better than Trevor Lawrence. I don't see him being better than Justin Fields. But what I do see is an efficient quarterback who, much like Jalen Hurts during his time at Alabama, can manage that game in such a fashion that Alabama sets themselves up on both sides of the ball to be very Mm -hmm. effective and produce at an extremely high level. But Najee Harris is 100% no questions asked the feature player in that offense this year. It's weird saying that a running back is the featured player in an offense as things slowly but are surely moving towards that spread offense that we've seen here for so many years in the Big 12. Here's what I wanted to just quickly say, Matt, is that Ohio State has an option. They can play a game before championship weekend. Look, if BYU you and see me Coastal shaking my Car- head. Yes. I, I know what you're saying, but but here's if the BYU thing: BYU and Coastal no. Carolina can put together a game on Thursday. Right. Why can the big players because not do it? Because they don't need to. 
Look, Ohio State, Oklahoma, I, I see all that. Everybody's on social media. And Lincoln Riley they're, is saying if Ryan look, Day calls today, okay, they're, they're listen, scheduling a no, game. It's, listen, being put, no, it's not being it's, put together, it's but never hypothetically happen. it could. And that's why Lincoln Riley can say what he said, because it's hypothetical. He knows Ryan Day's never going to call. And when you know, look. Uh, There's me, nothing in it for them. Right. You're the number. You're you're in, okay? You've the, only played five games. You're going to win your conference. You're going to be in the playoff. Why risk it at this point? Not just losing. Why risk an injury? Mm-hmm. Why the Ohio State has nothing to lose by playing anybody this weekend. You know what? Neither does Oklahoma. You state, you've stated that back. Sorry, they have nothing to gain and everything to lose. Right. right. And same thing with Oklahoma. You don't need West Virginia. You, you don't need that game. How long have we been talking about this West Virginia game potentially two, being two canceled? Two weeks now. Right. Since the original cancellation. And, and it just makes sense. And we're going to get into that. I promise if you're staying tuned for the podcast, we're getting into that. But Oklahoma has nothing to gain by playing West Virginia. You're in. Now, you, you, you need practice time. You need scrimmage time. I get that. But when you look at the risk of injury, you look at the risk of COVID exposure, there's zero chance that's going to happen. Coastal Carolina, BYU, they're fighting for, for notoriety because they're two, thinking— Two undefeated. Right. And two ranked teams still, that looks good on a resume. Still an outside chance that crazy could happen and they can maybe get in, right? Or get to a New Year's Six, New Year's Six Bowl. They had to play that game. Both of those teams had to play it. That you you just have to. Oklahoma and Ohio State, they don't have to. And because they don't have to, it's never going to happen. That's fine. It's well and all. I wish it were to happen. And, and here's why. I'm looking at it more so from an Oklahoma fan's perspective than an Ohio State fan's perspective. Let's imagine for just one moment, Ohio State and Oklahoma agree to play a game, guess where, in Norman. It's a redemption game. Never would for, happen. For if Ohio they played State, that game, it would never happen in Norman. to plant the flag. It would never happen. But it's, I know, it would happen in Fayetteville. You're right. Fayetteville. But, <laughs> but if Oklahoma were to beat an Ohio State, I feel as though Oklahoma is making a, an exceptionally strong case to be included in that college football playoff field, despite having two losses, given the body of work, given the current trajectory that they're on a win over Ohio state and Iowa state says a lot about this program and the capabilities that they possess here at the end of the season. I don't, I I agree, Matt. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the matchup everybody wants to see so that they can put any questions to bed about this college football playoff this weekend would have been Ohio state and Texas A&M. Yeah, that would have been good as well. But again, if you're Ohio State, you've got you, no, you've got nothing to gain from it. So you don't. But um, by the way, well, I mean, no, you, you've got you, nothing to gain. You're you, in. You settle the conversation. That's going to happen. You remember the whole Oklahoma Auburn thing? No one cares. Auburn cares. Auburn's the only the only fan and base. Oklahoma that, fans responded. The the only fan base that cared about that was Auburn, right? And that's the thing. Same thing here. The only fan base that's going to care. When this is all over with, is Texas A&M. Do I need to change my true or false questions? Is this what you're telling me? No, no, no. We're going to center I, on some of this. Here okay, I can't wait then. Um, I I want to say two things. Number one, Lincoln Riley was asked, if Ryan Day calls you, what would you say? That's where that quote. Lincoln Riley didn't just go to a microphone and say, "Well, if Ryan no, Day calls no. me, well, I'm ready to go." You know, <laughs> no. that never happened. He was asked. That was spe- yeah, definitely not the intent <laughs> right. of he, the meeting. <laughs> he was asked specifically, "If Ryan Day calls you, what would you say?" 
Okay, so then you can't say at that point you can't say, oh, you know, we're we're good. We just want to focus on on Iowa well, State. And, and he went into a little more detail. I know everybody wants to use the initial statement of we would play, but if you were to read that quote down a little bit further, you would quickly say we want to play. We as players want to be, or the players mm-hmm. that are on the roster want to be on the field playing a game. They want to compete, but logistically, it's it's difficult to make something like that happen. And I get it. Yeah, so the game would have been played at Fayetteville though. The second, the second thing I want to point out is go way back in this conversation. Mac Jones, I was so wrong about Mac Jones. What, what I thought about Mac Jones in August and what I think about Mac Jones in early December. Let me tell you how much I've changed. I, I have a vote for the Maxwell Award. I'm voting Mac Jones because I think about Trevor Lawrence, probably the best number number one draft pick. I think but is Trevor Lawrence. So many games this year. But Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. But again, the lack of playing. Right. Mac Jones, to me, is the Maxwell Award winner. I, really? I, I don't I don't get a Heisman vote, but I do get a Maxwell Award vote. And I'm telling you, you, you don't want to go with Kyle Trask. I, I, Maybe Kellen Mond. Go with Mac Jones, because I think. Well, first of all, Kellen Mond. No, zero. zero <laughs> right. Right. I just want to uh, see if you were paying attention. But I think who means more to their team? Is Alabama what they are? The number one team in the country without Mac Jones. I don't believe they are. I do. Is Florida a team that has a lot of potential and talent, but just hasn't really reached the threshold of who they can be without Kyle Trask? Yeah. So, Mac Jones, to me, Maxwell Award winner. Okay, we, we do. I promise. We're going to get into West Virginia, Oklahoma, and then Richard's asking the true or false questions. Okay, let's get to it. Right here. Oklahoma, West Virginia being canceled, good or bad? From my, my perspective. Yeah, yeah, what do you think? As a fan, like I said, I voiced my disappointment. If I'm the coaching staff, I also feel as though it was that last tune-up. It was that opportunity. Because, Matt, you and I sat here, and I don't know if we actually said this. Yeah, we we had to have said this on the podcast. Was You said that it looked like it was a team who did not go full contact. Right. This was an opportunity in a preparation week to go full contact and then to carry out a game a game plan on the field against West Virginia in Morgantown. That opportunity, that realization of that hard work and that preparation and putting that into practice, that's been removed from the equation. It's completely gone. And I get people are saying, oh, it's it's a couple of extra days for Oklahoma to heal up, to get guys back off of that, that you set out because of COVID list. It's an opportunity for two more days of preparation for Iowa State, knowing that they previously previously beat you and what Brock Purdy's currently doing along with Brees Hall. I, I get those arguments, but the reality to me is that there were things that I wanted to see on the field from Oklahoma post Baylor game, right. those improvements. You want to see better offensive line play, and right? Now, you want to yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. I, I get it. I get and, it. And now we're sitting here and we still have those same questions. Mm-hmm. Where will this team be? Will they be able to progress? And I get sitting out those, those, couple of extra days and not playing now and having that to prepare for Iowa state may on the surface look like a good thing, but to me, it's a bad thing. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's like one game in 27 days now for Oklahoma by the time they get to Dallas to play Iowa state. And this was a team that was extremely rusty offensively. The last time we saw them, I think a lot of that was again, the inability to actually game plan and put things together. And I I do believe the counter to this argument is, is twofold. This team was out of shape when they played Iowa State the first time. Early October, Oklahoma was not in game. They they were not game ready. They, they, they were not clicking. The offensive line was terrible. 
Now, you're going to jump back and say, well, they were terrible against Baylor. I think there's a difference. There's a difference in being out of shape, terrible, and there's a difference in not having practice, terrible, right? They will practice. I promise you, they practiced this week getting ready for West Virginia. They've scrapped that game plan, and now they're, they're, they're game planning for Iowa State. Will there be some rust? Probably. But will it be as bad as what we saw against Baylor? Probably not, because the program was shut down. The doors were locked for five days. So that's no practicing. That's no uh, team film, positional meetings, there, no weight room. It's shut down. That's not going to be the case going into Dallas. Does it make this team better by not playing Iowa State, uh, playing West Virginia? Not at all. Not at all. But you, it's a risk-reward thing. As a fan, I wanted to see the game. You and I both have West Virginia ties with family. I wanted to see the game. I enjoy the talk with my family and friends in West Virginia leading up to it. I wanted to see it. But making logical coaching sense, I am promise you Lincoln Riley's not mega disappointed they're not going to Morgantown. He's, he's not. It's, again, it's less exposure to your guys for potential COVID. It's less exposure for injury. We've talked about Austin Stogner. I've said for three weeks now, I don't believe Austin Stogner's coming back this season. So far, I've been right. But, I mean, Austin Stogner, that's just a freak football play. You, you, you have four less quarters for something like that to happen now, going into what is the biggest game of the season. So is it good or bad for Oklahoma? If I had to make a decision right now, I would say it's good. It's more good than it is bad that you're not playing in Morgantown. I don't think there was any chance for an upset, but even if you did get upset, you're still going to the Big 12 championship game. So what does that tell you? That tells you this game's not a necessity. Is Oklahoma going to the playoff? No. But can they still go to a very good bowl game if they beat Iowa State? Absolutely. So you lose nothing by losing this game. Other than the opportunity for a player to get sick, other than the opportunity for a player to get hurt, and I know, I know what they're going to say. Well, how do you know they're going to get sick? What happened after Bedlam, right? I mean, you go and you beat, you win Bedlam, you just thrash the Cowboys, and then you got to shut the program down. And I do think there's something to be said. Follow me on this logic. I think there's something to be said. Think about Michigan. What, what, what? At this point of the year. What teams are we seeing have COVID problems? Michigan, they can't play Ohio State. West Virginia, they can't play Oklahoma. Baylor, they're on the cusp of canceling against Oklahoma State on Saturday. It's all these teams that have nothing left to play for. LSU, nothing left to play for. So they're losing that because they've lost their focus on what is out there, what's important. I don't think Oklahoma's lost that. Now, granted, I'm talking about a program that had to shut down, but I think it's, I mean, is this like, if Baylor has to miss Oklahoma State, it's like the third time this year they've had to miss a game. West Virginia has had to miss a game. There's just, there's something about these teams that have nothing left to play for. So there's no risk there for Oklahoma. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's nothing to lose. There's no reward for Oklahoma. What do you gain by going to Morgantown and winning a game? What do you get out of it? Are you going to the Big 12 Championship because you won that game? No. A potential 10-win season. Okay. I would give you that because that's probably the biggest thing that's lost in this is the potential of a 10-win season. <laughs> so that's that. I, I'm, I'm going to give you that. 
But what else? I mean, is that is that the biggest thing? That's the biggest thing you're losing by not going and playing? Would, would you rather have a 10-win season or a Big 12 championship? A, a, a championship. Right. So I, I don't know why I stuttered. That's a very obvious <laughs> Well, answer you're the there. guy who wanted someone else to go to the playoffs. Yeah, when, when there was an undefeated <laughs> team in the but, conference. So I thought maybe you might. I mean, you're kind of no, crazy no, no, like that. The, the point I'm making is, so 10 wins or, or a Big 12 championship, you're, you're, you have more risk at losing the main goal by playing this game. And I'm saying this from a guy who really was going to get up at 9.30 and start getting something ready to have some food and watch the game at 11. I'm going to get up before 9.30. I'm just saying I was going to get up and end at 9.30, start preparing things. It's pretty early for you, huh? Um, hey, 6.30 this morning, homie. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, I, as a, from a fan's perspective, I hate that they're not playing. But from a X's and O's getting ready for Iowa State, I think it's a good move. That's it. That's all I got. I mean, you're entitled to and your my opinion, Forrest Gump even if voice. It's wrong. That's all I got to say about that. It doesn't matter. So you think I'm wrong, <laughs> Matt? I I don't think Oklahoma loses anything besides the 10 win season by not playing against West Virginia. I I I don't see a lot to gain by playing that game. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I still would have liked to have seen it. I still would have liked to see that that final tune up. As I've used that phrase on numerous occasions in reference to Oklahoma traveling to Morgantown, it. it's it was one of those things that I wouldn't have cared if it was Kansas. I still wanted that game to be played. So the fears that we as fans have, maybe some of the question marks that still exist would have been put to rest almost permanently. But no. for now, those issues, that yeah. nervousness, those questions, they're still lingering. But here's how I'm going to throw that out there. Yes, it was a bad performance. But think about the layoff between a bowl game, okay? Do you expect the team just to be worse in the, when they hit the field in a bowl game because there's there's no game? I expect it, but sometimes it happens. Well, okay, <laughs> fair point. But the point I'm making is having this time off is is not going to help game. It's not going to hurt game prep. It's not going to it's not going to keep yeah, you more rusty. Point. That's a fair point. Um, okay, let's just jump right into it because we're we're running out of time here. True or false? You're on. Hit it up, man. Yeah, and we're going to repeat some of these these topics that we've thrown out. But I am going to start with this because we just finished the argument about 10 win seasons. I didn't know if that was something that you were, you were aware of. So I'm going to state it this way. Are you aware yes. that without the West Virginia game, Oklahoma will potentially not be able to claim the most 10 win seasons in college football history. Well, there's no potential to it because there's no way to get to 10 wins. I know, but they're, they're above everyone else right now. Right. right, right. That, so it's going to require another team to hit that 10 win mark mm-hmm. to, to equalize, to go above. Okay. However you would like to state that. Were you aware true or false? Who's the other team? True or false. You were aware. I was aware. I, I don't <laughs> true. <laughs> That's a weird true or false question. I was, I'm I sorry, was, but I, but I'm kind of scrambling here because we we well, kind of dissected some yeah, of the questions. Yeah, there's no right. game, right? No, Here's, I was aware that Oklahoma was not going to be able to get to 10 wins. Yes, that's true. I don't know hmm. about another team who could eclipse them. Yeah, Alabama is currently sitting at 39. Oklahoma with 40. Well, Alabama's going to have 40. I mean, Alabama's <laughs> going to have 40, yeah. and Oklahoma no longer has that bargaining chip. The thing that they like to to publish mm-hmm. every now and then, the university, the football program, on social media accounts, T-shirts, whatever it is, that will no longer be be a 100% accurate statement because other teams, aka Alabama, they will have equalized that score. 
I don't know that there's any pulling away from Alabama if Nick Saban's at the helm of that program. No, I'm not worried about it. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not a big asterisk fan either, but mm. if there was an asterisk, th- this would be the time to use it. <laughs> Let, I'm just going to just completely move on then. We had previously talked about Ohio State. The comment or the question that was made in Lincoln Riley's response mm-hmm. to what would happen if Ryan Day called. Let's say that that game does happen. At this point of the season, knowing what you know about this Oklahoma program, true or false, that's a winnable game for the Sooners. True, because and what we talked about was I was Ohio State. Sorry, not Iowa State. Ohio State defensively is not the Ohio State of the last two or three years where you got like a Chase Young type personality. Um so I think it's winnable. It, it, it's even more winnable than it was when Baker Mayfield went to Columbus. Because when Baker Mayfield went to Columbus to play that game, that was supposed to be the best team in the country by some of the national pundits. In Oklahoma, that was the pretenders. You know, They were just, they were just a bunch of pretenders. That, that, <laughs> that was the comment going into that game. I do think the way Oklahoma is playing offensively and the struggle that uh, Ohio State has shown defensively, look at what Indiana did to them. I think Oklahoma's offense is better than Indiana's completely as far as well-rounded goes. Yeah, it's absolutely a winnable game. Oklahoma's not going to play Ohio State. Right. They're going to play Iowa State, though. They are going to play Iowa State. If Oklahoma were to schedule a game – I'm not saying that it's, it's going to happen. Right, because it's not. Yeah, it's 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 not. Well, I, I, I'm. But go ahead. Com- let, I'm let, coming to let's grips. Let's go with hypotheticals. Listen, I'm coming to listen, grips with all, that as much out. as I didn't want it to <laughs> happen. Time out. Let me just throw you some props because your true or false is supposed to be out Oklahoma, West Virginia, and you're just thrown to the fire for the second time in a <laughs> row. The last two times you've had to ask the questions, the game was canceled. So, Props for what you're doing here. All right, hypothetically, if Oklahoma was to schedule a game. Hypothetically, if Oklahoma was going to schedule a game, we've already discussed that Ohio State has nothing to gain Mm. by playing a game this weekend. They're already in their conference championship game. They're already being considered by many people, myself included, as a college football playoff candidate. I'm not going to say contender, but candidate Mm -hmm. to make one of those four coveted spots that has crept upon us for what well, I, I it's been five years right. six years this would be the six years of the college football playoff if oklahoma were to schedule a game and we knew that ohio state had removed themselves from that equation true or false you'd want it to be texas a&m false who would you, you want it to be tulsa man Tulsa, they they're open. They that since Tulsa got done dirty by Cincinnati, by the way. You know about this, right? Tulsa and Cincinnati were supposed to play this weekend, and then they're going to turn around and play again the next week for the ACC AAC uh-huh. championship. Well, whoever won this weekend, that game was supposed to be in Tulsa. Whoever won that game would host the conference championship. Cincinnati by not playing the game gets the host, and so Cincinnati's like, oh, <laughs> we don't feel very good. We're not going to play this weekend. Tulsa. <laughs> Hey, Tulsa, for a long time, people have said, made the claim, Tulsa, best team in the state of Oklahoma. They've already gone head-to-head with Oklahoma State, a game that they lost. Man, Oklahoma-Tulsa, though? Why not? I mean, that would be – I would tune in for that, not just because it's Oklahoma football. I would tune in for it because on a national – two top 25 teams going at it? Yeah, please. I'll I'll take it. I think this is where we're actually going to get to the meat of the true or false that I have for you, (laughs) As we move on, one thing that we had mentioned, whether briefly or in depth, 
everyone is aware at this point in time that Shane Beamer has accepted the head coaching yeah. position at South Carolina and has begun with the recruiting efforts. By the way, there. you could have read that first at heartland-sports.com. Go ahead. With Shane Beamer leaving, true or false, Oklahoma fans need to be concerned that Alex Grinch is next. Eventually, not this season. I mean, eventually. It doesn't have to be the season. Yeah, Alex Grinch. Of, of, all the, of all the names that are currently on this coaching staff, mm-hmm. Alex Grinch, what, essentially no, what I'm no, asking. No, there's another guy out there. What I'm asking is that Alex Grinch will be the next one poached by another program to become a head coach. There's another guy out there. Okay, get it. An, an important so person. True, true or false? You, yeah, you've so got it's to answer false. this question. Um, it, I, listen, I, I think uh, I'm going to say false. because Alex I, Grinch is not next. I think. I think if, if Kale Gundy wants to go be a play caller somewhere, now's the time. Now's the time. And the, and the guy, the guy's, a, I mean, he he's a Sooner. Played for the Sooners. He's coached for the Sooner. I believe, I, I'm i pretty confident. He's Thanksgivings the, would be a little um, less awkward. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> confident that he's the longest tenured assistant coach on Oklahoma staff. Maybe in the country. Um, And so now's the time. If, if he's going to go, now's the time. And so he, he could be the next name. It, but all that said, unless unless Lincoln Riley can get Alex Grinch to buy into the Brent Venables thing about, uh, hey, man, just we're going to win a lot of games here. You're going to make a lot of money and the pressure is going to be off of you because your team you're 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 producing. You know, I write Dabo writes his ticket in South Carolina and because Dabo writes his ticket in South Carolina, he lets Brent Venables write his ticket. And Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch could have that exact same thing. But here's the reason why I say no. Because Kale Gundy, if he leaves, it's not going to be as a head coach, I don't believe. I think if Kale Gundy leaves, it's going to be as an offensive coordinator. Alex Grinch probably still needs some more time under his belt before he goes off to be a head coach somewhere. So that's why I think Gundy may have a little bit more of an advantage there as far as time. I hope neither one of them leave. But if I had to put money on it, I would say Gundy would probably leave before Grinch. Well, let's start, excuse me, let's end this podcast the same way that we started that, and that is with men's basketball. With this current set of players, I'm not factoring in Harkless. I know we talked quite a bit about him, but with this current set of players, Oklahoma is capable of a 20-win season and an NCAA berth. I think that's true. No, I think that's true. Definitely true. I I, I think... um, the, the one thing that's good is, you know, they had the games canceled. Florida's not going to get made up, but they, they put ORU on the schedule. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I think they can get to – I don't know that – if they don't get to 20, I think it may be some scheduling type stuff messes them up because you don't know what the future holds mm-hmm. as far as games being canceled. Right. But I think that could it's, be – I feel as though it's a little it's, – it's much easier – to manage a roster of 13 than it is of 85 but that plus said, players. But that said, they've already missed two games. Not because Oklahoma. Of, yeah. Well, not, yeah. not on account of Oklahoma. Yeah. On account of, I thought it was no, Florida. No, they, well, they missed the game before Florida. I mean, right, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, my, just completely, so, obviously missed that. Um, so, the, the point I'm making is, I think that has a greater detriment, potentially, to reaching 20 wins than losing games. I don't think they're they're going to win the Big 12. I don't think they're going to be the top two in the Big 12. The top four is realistic. And absolutely. We, and, we set that and I think earlier. I think the NCAA tournament is absolutely realistic with this team. Again, just with a COVID year, mm-hmm. it's hard to guarantee 20 wins. I don't yeah. think Kansas can guarantee 20 wins on a COVID year. You know what I'm saying? So, all right. So, hey, good job. Uh, you two weeks, two times in a row, you've been put in a hard spot. Let's talk real fast. Big 12 football this weekend. 
Oklahoma State and Baylor still um, still scheduled for right now, but that game could easily be canceled. With the 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 infection is amongst the Baylor coaching staff, and if you're a position coach and you're all you guys got to go into quarantine, it's easy to see how that game gets canceled. Baylor has stopped football activities for now. They've got to pick it back up by Saturday for that game to take place Saturday evening. That means the only other game to talk about in the Big 12, Louisiana Tech at TCU. I'm I'm intrigued by this, and here's the reason why. TCU is almost a 22-point favorite in this game. Do you realize that? No. Louisiana Tech's 5-3 and three on the season. They technically have a better record than TCU at 5-4, and four, but I think because TCU just beat Oklahoma State, they're – they're getting more than they should be get as far as love from Vegas. I think if I was a wagering man, I would look at that point spread and, and throw some money at the Bulldogs. That's that's just it. Okay, no Oklahoma football this weekend, which means no Sunday night podcast, which means you just got to live for a week on this one. Hopefully you play it on loop and uh, give us a lot of listens. By the way, you can subscribe at Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, no, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear back from you at some point. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Boom sooner.